Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Welcome into the Blue Eyes Sports Podcast, episode 62. My name is Dan Kurtz. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Amanda Mills, and always a legend, Aaron Riley. Um, just the two of us this evening. We want to thank uh, the Level of the Playing Field podcast for their gracious time last episode, Dave and John. Um, fantastic. Kind of a roundtable about all things NFL um, from a Steelers and Chargers little flavor flavor in there as well. Both good dudes. Check them out. Obviously, they're doing their thing. A little ahead of us there, Aaron, in the uh, production value. I, I will say their intro is pretty legit. Um, and, and just their whole vibe they got going on is, is pretty cool. So let me check them out. Um, Aaron and I will get there one day. We've been saying that for the past, uh, you know, two what uh, year and a half, two years, I guess. But, hey, um, you know, Rome was not built in a day. And this podcast was was not built in a day. So. Uh, we'll go from there. Darren, how are we doing today? Hey, man, I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. We, we've been in a rebuilding phase, you know, for quite a while. But hey, there, there's nothing wrong with that. Like we're, we're building a colossal empire over here. So, um, yeah, exactly. Uh, special thanks to them. Uh, had fun, had fun recording with them and, and collaborating and, and so forth. But uh, we're back. Daniel and I are back to uh, discuss all things NFL and uh, all things conference championship game this past this past weekend here. So that marks our second collaboration with a Canadian podcast. Um, obviously, the 1420 boys out in Edmonton love the playing field up in Toronto. We're cornering the market in all things Canadian podcasts. I mean, they are friendly up there, so I think they just took pity on us and, and allowed us to record with them. So um, I'm, I'm interested to see if we can get another province in there. Obviously, Alberta and Ontario, um, those might be the only two provinces I really am aware of. Um, so, again, that might, you know, be our limit for Canadian collaborations, but again, we'll obviously uh, take those as they come along. But Aaron, um, AFC NFC championship, just championship game weekend in general. Uh, the Bengals and Rams victorious, respectively. Uh, the Bengals coming back, tying the game up. Um, I'm sorry, take the lead. The Chiefs tie the game up at the end there, and then the, the Bengals come back and somehow uh, take the ball back from the Chiefs, ultimately win. 27-24, um, is this game, before we kind of get into the breakdown and, and game flow overall, uh, is this game more about the Chiefs blowing it or the Bengals coming back and taking it from them? Yeah, always uh, always discussed, like, did the team win the game or did the other team lose the game when, when you're in a situation, you know, similar to this? 
Uh, I am going to put a good amount of blame on the, on the Chiefs for this one. Uh, obviously, credit to the Bengals. I mean, just an absolute fantastic year, and, and it keeps rolling. Um, the Burrow magic is just – it's real. It's alive. It's it's well. But so burp. There exactly. I mean, the guy just swagged out in the in the uh, in the chain in the in those glasses that I think only he can wear and look cool in. But um, yeah, the uh, the Chiefs before halftime. I mean, they have an opportunity to go up what fourteen, I, I believe, at the time if they kick a field goal. Um, they don't. Uh, so you know they go for it. They run out of time basically. Um, in, in you know, in addition to that, really, uh, they get the ball first in overtime and and. You know, there's plenty of people out there that'll, uh, you know, bitch, moan, and complain about the overtime rules. Um, I forget the gentleman's name on level the playing field, uh, so I don't want to butcher that. But <laughs> he, he did say, you know, play defense and stop him. So, yep. obviously, there there is some there is a point to that. Um, you know, there's two sides of the football. So, you, if you play good defense, you'll get the ball back. That's exactly what the, the Bengals did. But um, to get the ball in overtime for, like, the second straight week, uh, if you're the Chiefs there in, in, the, in the playoffs, and to not get it done, I mean, I got to put a little bit of blame on on the you know on Andy Reid on on Mahomes there, just because you you have every opportunity to 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 take take full control after giving back the lead to to the Bengals, and as soon as you give the ball back to the Bengals, I mean, obviously the the story wrote itself, and and then Bengals advance. So I I as much as I do want to give credit to um to the Bengals and and you know that type of thing, uh, in this case, I am going to put a good amount of blame on on the Chiefs for basically having a game they, they could have put away. And obviously you can never, you can never, you know, come off the gas against any team. And especially when you're in a, in a playoff format. I believe it was John who, who said that about playing defense. It's, it's kind of funny. Obviously last week we had the argument of, you know, the bills obviously closed that game so well. We would love to see both of them duke it out and get the ball, both the chiefs and the bills in overtime. And this week, um, the argument swings the other way. You know, obviously Jesse Bates makes that fantastic play on Tyree Kill, literally by a fingertip, bounces that ball, deflects it back into one of his teammates who ultimately picks it off. And um, and then the Bengals basically toy with the the Chiefs defense, go down um, at will, and then obviously kick that field goal from Evan McPherson, who they're calling Shooter McPherson. I think it's after uh, Shooter McGavin, which is a phenomenal nickname. The guy's like 11 for 11 as a rookie in the playoffs. It's, it's absolutely insane. Um, yeah, I mean, the Chiefs, it's tough. We'll, we'll start with them, and then we'll obviously get more into Cincinnati. Um, four straight AFC Championship games, one Super Bowl. Um, Andy Reid's the first coach in NFL history to take two different teams to the to, AFC, to uh, championship games. Um, two different teams, so two different franchises, I should say. Um, Aaron is is cringing in his chair because the first, obviously, organization was the Eagles, and um, they ended up losing to the Patriots in the one Super Bowl they were in. But uh, I, I don't – I mean, this is obviously like a choke job. I, I, I would say when we talked about Aaron Rodgers, I, I leaned towards it not being one just because of like – not to say Aaron Rodgers had a lack of help. I just thought the 49ers and, and Packers were like of the same echelon. I mean, everyone and their mother thought that she was going to come out and just murder the Bengals. I think Vegas had them at minus seven. I think I saw it all the way up to minus eight at one point. Um, Tyree Kill, Travis Kelsey, um, McKinnon, um, that defense has some guys on it. Tyron Matthew, obviously Jones, et cetera. Um, and I think when you, when you hold up these two rosters side by side, um, I think you, you have the Chiefs coming out winning nine times out of ten. Um, so when they go up, obviously, big in the, in the, set, in the first half, 
Aaron mentions they got a little cocky and then had that blunder where they didn't get any, any points when they had that drive all the way down, you know, in, in the red zone to end the half. I think um, that was certainly a turning point that tackle um, that Eli Apple, uh, I think the only good plays ever had in his career to tackle Ty- Tyree kill um, there at the goal line to end the first half was the turning point for sure. But um, the chiefs obviously had it in, in the first half, you know, that meme they, they had us in the first half, I'm not going to lie. Um, and then obviously pissed away in the second half. We'll talk about um, kind of the Bengals and their overall defensive approach, obviously, and how um, unfortunately Patrick Mahomes would not, was not able to adjust. Um, but Aaron, your, your thoughts on this. I mean, do you think the chiefs are now in like Packers, Aaron Rodgers territory, or is this just, they ran into a buzzsaw that is the Cincinnati Bengals, and, and there's really no stopping a, a feel good story like this one. Yeah, I think, I mean, overall, I don't look at them the same way just because, I mean, the Chiefs are getting to the to the game before the, the big game, obviously, uh, where the Packers are, you know, one and out, one and out, you know, multiple times, uh, have the number one seed multiple times. So um, I don't look at the Chiefs in the same light, obviously, you know, winning that Super Bowl over the 49ers uh, a couple of years back now. That's, uh, you know, something you can point to as a, obviously a big success. Obviously, you your, your champs for that season. So um, the Packers haven't been, you know, in a Super Bowl in what, 10, at least 10 years. I want to say maybe 10, 11, 2011. You're right. Yeah. So um, I'll, I'll give the chiefs a little bit of slack in that respect. It would just, I would be irritated beyond belief if I'm a chiefs fan only because it's one <laughs> of those games, man, like nothing irritates me personally more than when you can put a team away and you don't, and they linger around and beat you. I'd almost rather get beat from the start than to, you know, basically in, in lack of a better term, like fumble the ball to, to, to give the Bengals, you know, uh, the advantage there late. So um, yeah, it's definitely disappointing for, uh, for the chiefs kingdom, as they call it out there in Kansas city uh, these days. So if they go next year, let's call it, they go back to the AFC championship game, lose to the jets. Um, Are we, are we calling, Patrick Mahomes, the next Aaron Rodgers, and then are we calling Zach Wilson next Tom Brady? You can you can answer you can answer the Mahomes question. I'll I'll take the Zach Wilson question. I can't uh, I can't say that about Mahomes just yet, only because like <laughs> I said it, it's been what ten? I mean, going on ten years or a little more than ten years, technically speaking. So yeah, um, I feel you. And and I don't know. I I just if Mahomes would do this for the next five, you know, maybe three or four, three or four more years of this, I might, you know, point the point the finger then, but uh, the guy is still so relatively young, like he's our age. So uh, Rogers is well into his late thirties. So I kind of give Mahomes at least more slack for the time being than, than a, a Rogers in that case. But um, I would love to see the jets there. That would be, that would be fantastic TV. I, yeah. I mean, I don't even want to, think about that I'd, I'd be so obnoxious on this podcast that's hey, not that's a thought i want to have game, man that's why they might be there. <laughs> uh before we go to the Bengals, i'd love to leave you with this um 2021 cap hit for patrick mahomes 7.4 million dollars 2022 cap hit for patrick mahomes 35.7 million dollars in 2023 it increases to 46.7 uh, so uh their roster was was already kind of thin at, at other spots. Obviously, they're spending big on 
you know, the Tyree kills, the Travis Kelsey's, the, the Tyron Matthews and some of the other great players they have on that team. But um, I don't really know what, what their kind of free agent situation looks like. I mean, I feel like Brett Veach is, is, is one of those guys similar to Mickey Loomis on in um, New Orleans. He's always able to kind of figure out the cap space and maneuver and whether it be signing Taysom Hill to like a, a fucking five-year, $100 million contract down in New Orleans. I feel like there's ways to, to obviously manipulate the cap, but going from seven to 35 um, overnight is, is obviously not ideal. So um, they have some probably tough decisions coming up um, here in the off season. And um, I have no doubts they'll be back in the playoffs. I'm not trying to say that they're going to take a massive, massive step back, but um, just at some of the other depth positions and, you know, non-traditional, like low paying positions. I, I don't, I don't think they'll, they'll probably have to obviously film the draft picks and, and let guys go and take comp picks and, and just basically use the new England route of, of building a contender. And um, I think your draft pick pressure and, and the rate you have to hit on those guys just becomes of, of the utmost importance. And um, they actually somehow drafted like two starting offensive linemen in like the second and fourth round this year. So if any team can do it, it's certainly them. It's just um, that number, you know, skyrocketing $28 million is like pretty tough to swallow, at least at first. So Brett Vitroff, a, a tough, a tough hand to, to play this offseason for sure. Certainly. And, uh, you know, I'll give you all the credit. You called, uh, you called the Chiefs going pretty far this year. Um, I thought, you know, when they were having all those bumps in the road, you know, middle of the season where they're, you know, struggling to score points, you know, they'd be held under 20 quite a few times. Um, you know, I thought, you know, this team might be a little bit flawed. They might, have gotten off their high horse, at least for this season. That's kind of how I looked at it. Like they might, you know, they have to regroup and, and get things together for next year. But, you know, they're three points away and they were in overtime away from being in the Super Bowl again. So every time I write them off, uh, Daniel proves proves to be right about the Chiefs 100 percent of the time. So um yeah, I, I think you may you bring to you bring up some very well well orchestrated points there. Uh, I just I, I worry about the defense at, at some point. Like the defense has kind of yep. been, you know, inconsistent. It's I would say it's gotten better than it has, you know, than it was a couple of years back. But uh, you know, with with that cap hit being so so ginormous, and like you said, the draft pressure, you know, ramping up. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see if you know in the coming years the the defense gets worse, stays the same, or or gets better. I will be curious about that. Um, but yeah, it's. I think after like real quick after Cincinnati took Tyreek Hill, um, pretty much out of the game in the second half, the the Chiefs really really struggled. So, um, oh yeah, there, there's been ways. I mean, every team is is beatable, and and you know it, it's kind of like I, I look at it like a, a batter. You know, in the in the first year of his career, no one knows his weaknesses too too well. And then, you know, you get year three, four, five, six, you know, you know, he, you know, he can't hit the outside curveball. So you're nailing the outside curveball on two strikes. It's kind of like one of those things with Mahomes where, you know, people are going to try and do so many different things to, uh, you know, get him off, off of like his rhythm. And, you know, it's been proven that it, it can be done just like everybody else. Uh, he's not, you know, obviously uh, he's a human being. He has a weakness as well, but it's, it's definitely interesting you know, the Bengals adjustments in the second half is what saved their ass and, and basically oh, yeah. got them into that the big game, in my mind. I think you just described uh, Gary Sanchez there. With, uh, <laughs> guy, guy can't hit the broad side of a bar anymore, for Christ's sake. I mean, I never thought I'd start this podcast off with a Gary Sanchez ricochet shot at the end of January, but here we are. Uh, Joe Burrow, um, Joey B, Joe Cool, um, oozes – 
oozes swag. Uh, I mean, in the matter of three years, won a Heisman Trophy, won a national championship, is is in the Super Bowl. I think he would be the first um, to accomplish all three if he if he ends up winning in, in a couple of weeks. And I think he, like I said, I mean, it, within three years is absolutely crazy. All the while coming over, uh, overcoming, I should say, a torn ACL in his rookie season, only winning two games as a starter um, last year is, is absolutely absurd. I, I also think everybody and their mother, we talked about this last time, had um, Zach Taylor already fired essentially um, off his franchise out of the building. Um, his parking spot allegedly was already gone to start the year, so he had to earn that back, um, which he obviously did. And, and then some um, th- this team and I was telling Aaron off air um, had the same Super Bowl odds preseason um, to win or to even go to the Super Bowl. Uh, the same odds as the New York Jets, which is absolutely insane. Uh, when you think about the season that the Jets obviously had somewhat of a rebuilding team, uh, but it was crazy that the Bengals were also considered a rebuilding team. I mean, I guess it's it's not all that crazy when you win two games in 19 and then um, four more games in, in 20. Um, but coming into this year, there was the debate of, you know, do we take Penny Sewell? Do we take a, a playmaker in Jamar Chase um, to add that to that receiver room? And um, on, the, on the, I think it was the Fox broadcast, actually, between Aikman and, and Buck, they were talking about um, the 49ers and how teams are really only as good as their third wide receiver. Um, and I thought about that and it was, it was kind of crazy because if you go through like the shitty teams, like the jets, we on like a good day have like three, you know, number three wide receivers. And obviously like, the, like you guys, you guys obviously invested in pass catchers and, in, in, you know, Goddard, Devontae Smith, Jalen Rager had a, had an all pro year psych. Uh, but, but guys like guys, like teams who, who invest in the pass catcher, department whether it be receiver tight end running back you can catch passes whatever um more often than not if you have three legitimate options you're going to be a pretty good offense no matter who's like throwing you the ball so um for that for the Bengals to tie it back to the Bengals to go out and get chase obviously you know taking a guy like him over Penay Sewell I mean their offensive line is like kind of trash I mean I, I wouldn't say the Chiefs have like a phenomenal defensive line but they were getting home and and Burrow had some incredible you know, moments when he escaped the pocket last night, which was absolutely phenomenal to watch. But um, I just think how they approached, I mean, the off season, they have like legitimately five or six guys um, who, who can from, from their free agent class who are like studs, Trey Hendrickson, obviously, you know, coming up from, from New Orleans and had a bunch of sacks this year. And, and I think they just had a lot of question marks coming into the season and basically every move that they had made um, paid off. Take, taking a guy like T Higgins, um, at the end of the first round, or, or I'm sorry, beginning of the second round in 2020. I mean, it seemed like every like third long he had um, like a catch last night, which or yesterday, which is which is crazy. Um, so I mean, just just this team and and how far they've come from it. It, it does seem like they have a daunting task against the Rams, but um, just talk about how you know how well they they've played obviously throughout the year. But just last night being down 21 to three and, and rising to the occasion, and just shows a lot about the guys they have in that locker room. Excuse me, 110% on that point. I mean, it's to say like the Bills, the Titans, the Chiefs. Um, I mean, even New England, I wasn't counting out as far as like just making some playoff, you know, at least a push in the playoffs to, to tell me that the Bengals, you know, when they snuck in, we're going to go the, the entire way, um, you know, shocked me. I mean, that, that that's just it's I, I thought for sure this this weekend is where i mean you like i said you can put a massive amount of blame on the chiefs but 
at the end of the day, look, there's a winner and loser. And, and, you know, you can only blame the other team for losing the games, you know, so much. So what, you know, they come out victorious. They, they, Joe Burrow is just that, like we've talked about it multiple times, like he's calm, cool, collected. He just does. It doesn't seem, nothing seems too big for him. I even saw a quote. He said, like, if they think NFL stadiums are loud, the S, there's multiple SEC stadiums I've been in that are, you know, much louder. So, oh yeah, um, yeah. The, the guy just doesn't doesn't freak out under pressure. Doesn't doesn't really lose a step. Uh, and I think like I'll I'll continue to hammer the nail on the fact that like he this past season tears his ACL. I was like, all right, well we'll see what the kid can do. Like I I thought this would really be like a you know. A 500 record team, uh, maybe not even, um, just because of that. Um, but second year in the league, his rookie year is cut short because of that that ACL. So really, he's probably learning on the fly quite a bit. And with a coach that not everybody has much trust in, I would say. I mean, obviously you can say yep. they do now, maybe. But <laughs> still, it's, it's I'm not sold. It's amazing. It's 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 honestly amazing that of all the teams that are. We're in the picture, like the Bengals to to slide the entire way through, is is pretty remarkable. And and especially in the NFL, like these these top teams are just so damn good compared to like middle of the pack or or you know better than average teams. Like the Bengals, really, I mean, they found their way, and they're, and they're probably the hottest team I I can remember since you know maybe the Giants a while back when they were like slept on so much and and yep. regarded as a team that could win. That's a great comparison. Um, shout out to Aaron, just a steel trap he's got over there. Phenomenal reference to, to the 07 Giants. Maybe <laughs> even maybe even 2011, 2012 Giants, too. Both teams got hot at the right time and just cruised Eli Manning's hot hand to the Super Bowl. Um, I mean, I, I, I think I – I mean, this is just – I think everyone in, in the United States was rooting for, for the Bengals besides, like, obviously Chiefs fans. Um, I think that the same would have to be, be said about the Super Bowl – and them going up against LA. It's just a feel good story uh, with a feel good quarterback coach. I mean, even, even the owner, I mean, in his little like 1960s trench coat, his little tan golf hat waddling up there. He's probably like in his eighties, just a nice little old man who's accepting the trophy. Um, I, I, everything about this organization is like heartwarming to me. I mean, they're a team that has grossly like been left in the past in terms of modernization, in the NFL, I think, their practice facility is like across the street. It almost is like high school kids going to practice after, after they get off of school. Um, they don't even have an indoor facility. So if it rains, it's like snowing or if it's lighting out, like they are screwed and just have to like play outside. So um, just, just a, an organization that I think deserves it. Obviously I think the last time in the Super Bowl was the eighties, 88, if I'm not mistaken. So they're fans, obviously Joe Burrow being an, an Ohio guy, he said on the broadcast last night, he grew up two and a half hours from Cincinnati. So um, just everything about their situation is, is feel good. Um, and I, I, I think I'm certainly rooting for them in the Super Bowl for sure. Um, NFC championship game, Aaron shifting gears to the NFC Rams take a close one also by three points, 20 to 17. Uh, they were down at 1.17 to seven, Jimmy G Debo Samuel, Kyle Shanahan, Eli Mitchell looked like they were going to take it home. Of course, another, I mean, I guess you could, you could put this in, in another like choke column for, for Shanahan, obviously as the 28 to 30 Super Bowl uh, against the Patriots when he was with the Falcons. And then, you know, two years ago in the Super Bowl when they were up like 20 to like eight or something like that. 
Um, and then obviously them losing, you know, pretty handily in the fourth quarter there. Uh, to me, this is probably more about the Niners than it is about the Rams. I know we just talked about kind of being similar with the chiefs Bengals situation, but um, defensively, offensively, I think um, the Rams just kind of waited until Jimmy G was going to be Jimmy G. And I, I thought it was going to come a lot earlier in this game. They were able to run the ball a ton. I, I think it might've been, kind of an error on Shanahan's part to get away from it. Um, they didn't even run Samuel once in the fourth quarter and hand off to him one time in that last quarter there, which to me was insane. He's a guy that whether you're running on a jet sweep, a screen, I mean, he took a screen pass for like 50 yards last night to the house. So um, to, to not give that guy the ball or, or try to put that in his hands when the game's on the line, especially when you're trying to chew clock and obviously get back to hopefully to score points, to me, that was that was somewhat mind-boggling. So um, I'll give credit to the Rams for, for obviously coming back. Um, there were a couple times where the 49ers did have the opportunity to put that game away. Jokriski Tart, I believe I'm saying that correctly, missed one of the most wide-open interceptions I've ever seen in my entire life. Legitimately, I think Joe Buck was like, oh, it's picked. And then, like, there was, like, a slow-motion delay of two seconds, and then he, like, drops the ball that was – directly in his hand. So um, countless times where they obviously, you know, had opportunities to put this game away. The D line was, was getting to Stafford a little bit late in that fourth quarter, but um, OBJ um, Cooper cup, the tight end Blanton, who, who I had not known before last night. I think he had to play just because Higby went out pretty early in that game. Just the three of them kind of banded together and, and obviously acres and Michelle played well all night, but when they really had to throw the ball, um, Cooper Cup and OBJ just seemed like they were always open. And um, really that, that move of getting Odell is obviously paying off in spades for the Rams. That's, that didn't even need to be said. That's just an obvious. But, um, yeah, another another kind of choke here, and we'll get to kind of how this impacts the 49ers and, and Jimmy G's future here and obviously a little bit. But um, what, what can you say about this Rams team, Aaron? I mean, a team that – um, perennially goes all in. I, I don't think they've had a draft pick since like 2012 because they just trade picks, trade picks, trade picks. And seems like it worked out obviously this year with, with Stafford, with Von Miller, Odell Beckham Jr. They, they got Sony Michelle in this year via trade. So what can you say about this team and, and just their willingness to go all in and, and finally seeing it like pay off? Yeah. Uh, I mean, you, you couldn't have nailed that any better as far as like the Rams, uh, point of view uh i think the basically the the odell signing the von miller signing i think are not really signing trade trades for both of those you know those are paying absolute dividends and um you know it's worth every every draft pick every penny what however you want to slice it Um, yeah just just like you said man i mean to to echo that uh the point of of all these signings all these you know basically people coming over to, to the LA Rams um, you could say is obvious, obviously paying dividends. I mean, obviously they get this, they get to the same place they were with, with Jared Goff at the helm, but um, you give yourself a hell of a lot better chance to win when you have Stafford. I mean, I had definitely question marks coming into this, this playoffs just because like we haven't really seen him in, in big games, you know, whether that's his fault or right. whether that's uh, playing for the Detroit lions, that's like, you know, it goes hand in hand or, or you can take one or the other there for sure. But um, I mean, Stafford, once again, fourth quarter rolls around, um, he gets it done. I mean, he had the one pick, but um, you know, when, when they needed plays to be made, he made them. Um, he went for three thirty seven. Uh, so yeah, I mean, they, the Rams really couldn't run the ball at all. Uh, it didn't surprise me. Obviously the, the 49ers 
front is just absolutely terrifying to go up against. Um, and really it's tough to even get, you know, passes away, but um, you know, Sean McVay and the boys got it done in that respect. Cooper cup, you know, arguably the best receiver in football, almost, he almost goes for 150 and 142 and two, two tuds uh, as they say. And then Odell obviously over a hundred as well. That's a, that's one of those signings where it was, uh, it was definitely controversial at the time. But uh, once again, I'll, I'll, I'll echo that it's paying dividends. And, and like you said, the tight end Blanton comes in the game, you know, goes for almost 60 there. So pretty much everybody was contributing. Um, and and you, you nailed it when you say Jimmy G pulled a Jimmy G, you know, down the stretch there. They had a chance, um, throws a pick, obviously cost them the game or, or put the nail in the coffin, I should say. Um, but yeah, I think, I think you're exactly right in, in the respect that um, Debo Samuel should have got the ball more. Um, 49ers are arguably, you know, the most overachieving team for having like not much at all of a quarterback. I'll say that um, it's, it's pretty impressive, but obviously not, not enough to get it done against the Rams in, in a, in a dogfight of a game, really. I think you just summed up um, Jimmy G's career in one sentence, not <laughs> enough to get it done. <laughs> Not enough to get it done. Um, yeah, we talked about Patrick Mahomes' contract earlier. Um, Jimmy G is owed $26 million, almost $27 million next year, but very big but has a dead cap of only $1.4 million. So he is gone. Uh, they will obviously cut him or trade him. However, the trade rules, you know, shake out. I, some team is going to overpay him for like, a mediocre year or two. I mean, I, we talked about Trey Lance a little bit off air and whether, you know, he's, he's like ready to go. I have no idea. I feel like if he was ready, um, they probably would have started at him this, this season, later on this season, obviously when Jimmy G was hurt, they, they started him. But um, I mean, even maybe like last night, like get the kid warming up off the bench, like J- Jimmy G's throwing ducks out there. So <laughs> I'd have to think that maybe he, he isn't totally ready, but obviously a long off season, you know, he played at a FBS school or FCS school, I should say, um, and, did, and played like one game his senior year. So the amount of like game action he's seen in the last two to three years, obviously, is, is minimal um, due to the pandemic. But with with Jimmy G, obviously, being out that much money um, and then the dead cap only being a, a million and a half I, would lead me to believe that he's he's gone. I mean, he's only going to be 31. Um, I, I, I think I just assumed he was, he was a lot older. Um than what he is but I mean some teams some team like the the Washington football team I could see overpaying him like the Broncos if they strike out on like a like an Aaron Rodgers um I'm trying to think of other teams that need quarterbacks I guess um, maybe Houston if, if Deshaun leaves which he might. that's a good that's a good one um Carolina I don't know what they're I think they're on the ropes with with Sam Darnold like I think they're basically stuck with him for one more year but I could be wrong there yeah, it's disrespectful. He's their franchise quarterback. Um, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, that Carolina is a great one. Another great uh, Aaron just bringing in the heat right now. Um, so again, I mean, again, this isn't about Jimmy G's offseason. This is more about the NFC Championship game in general. I apologize for for that tangent, but um, yeah, I mean, it, it, Stafford and McVeigh. I, I think it's, it's something to be said. I think it was like a year ago, yesterday or today, they actually traded for him um, when conveniently, quote unquote. Matt Stafford and Sean McVay and, and their respective significant others were both in the same Mexican resort vacationing, which to me 
screams tampering, but again, yeah. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna be the boy who cried wolf on that one. Anyway, um, got, got a feel for, for a guy like Jared Goff. I mean, he's basically the meme of Squidward watching, um, SpongeBob and Patrick play outside, watching his, 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 his team going to the Super Bowl once again, uh, this time without him. And he's, you know, freezing his ass off in Detroit. Um, <laughs> hopefully for his sake, he got out of there for the off season, but again, the proverbial freezing his ass off. But again, I mean, you know, the, the GM less need going all in for Stafford going in for OBJ and, and Von Miller. I'll bring up the point again. Like this is a guy who is repeatedly said, fuck the draft picks. And, and it, this, this year it's obviously worked out. Um, you know, th- there were times where, where the Rams did not look like the best teams in the NFC. And there were times that they obviously did. And, and Stafford was, was kind of up and down this season, obviously a lot more good than, than bad, but um, there were a couple clunkers in there. I, I will say that. And, um, to, to string together, and you mentioned you, you were a little unsure about Stafford, and I think the entire football fandom was a little unsure about him, and obviously not much playoff experience in Detroit, and has been inconsistent in, in big games and big moments throughout um, his tenure in the NFL, and um, for him to, to kind of put it all together and obviously have this great, phenomenal playoff run thus far has been pretty cool to watch and um easy 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 to root for a guy like that i mean if, if not for an even cooler story in cincinnati i think um it'd be a lot easier to root for root for the rams but it, it should be a good super bowl we're obviously transitioning here to picks here in a second and just an overall breakdown of the game in a couple of weeks but any other any other takeaways on on either side of, of the rams and, and niners from this game aaron not not really i mean i i think it kind of went Similar to how I, I thought it would, I, I really gave the Niners a, a good chance to win this. They're just, I think I told I told you before, they're they're just that team that like doesn't seem to go away no matter what stacked against yep. them or, or what's in front of them. Um, these teams, like I like we talked about, they they know each other. It's a divisional matchup basically. They played each other twice, and now this is the third third time this past weekend. So, um, little surprised. I mean, how. You know, the, the Niners really did have a, a 17 to 7 advantage at one point, and, and they did blow that. That's a little surprising. And, uh, but at the same time, like, should we be surprised? I don't, I don't know. Uh, Kyle Shanahan's kind of done this before, <laughs> been here, done that. So, uh, from that perspective, not, not shocked, but, uh, I was, I was surprised that they, they had the lead and then gave it up a little bit, uh, only because I thought the Rams would start very fast in this game and they really didn't. So, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be an interesting matchup. It's, it's these t- two teams couldn't be totally like polar op. They couldn't be more polar opposites in the way that they're like constructed and the, the way that they're, they're basically formed at this point in time. No, I, I, I agree. I, I think it's a massive off season for the, for the Niners. Um, and especially if you get that $25 million in cap space back, from obviously getting rid of, of Jimmy G. Um, I, I, you know, you go to a rookie contract, a rookie quarterback contract, obviously, you know, a lot has been written and, and talked about, about you know, the benefits of having a quarterback on a rookie contract. You saw with Mahomes, you're seeing with Josh Allen, you saw with Russell Wilson and Lamar really enter any, you know, good young quarterback in there. The teams are obviously reaping the rewards because they can spend a lot of money on other positions throughout the roster. So if, if Trey Lance ends up being good, um, I would look out for this team next year. I mean, uh, you know, we, we've mentioned Shanahan teams have been inconsistent in big spots, you know, throughout his, most of his coaching career, especially his head coaching career. Um, but, but if this kid is a hit, I would look out because the way they're able to run the ball, the way they can probably run the ball with him and Debo back there is like 
potentially scary. There's not many teams that would use the two of them correctly, but um, if there's one coach and one staff I would trust to do so, um, it would certainly be San Francisco. So look out if obviously, you know, Trey Lance ends up being a hit. If not, look out for them being uh, terrible. I guess look out both ways before you cross the road. Um, <laughs> and yeah, it'll be a good off season for them. I mean, they got their work cut out for them, so it'll be interesting. Um, uh, yeah. Just go to- for it piggyback off of what you said real, real quick do you, do you think like I'll just pose you a question do you think they go which I mean we're both pretty much certain that, that Jimmy G doesn't come back I mean that would be a colossal mistake I would think but do you think they go Trey Lance or do you think it's somebody else at least at least next season at least in the in the coming season I think if they they're not going to go after just anybody like they're not going to bring in like a Teddy Bridgewater or like uh Sam Darnold type of like, not to say castaway, but someone who's like proven he's not the guy elsewhere, but could potentially be the guy. They're going to bring in like a surefire, um, the guy guy if if they can. Um, so I mean, I mean, the Aaron Rodgers rumors are are flying around. We talked about this off air a little bit. Um, Brady potentially if he wants to leave. Obviously, Tampa. The rumors are swirling about him uh, potentially retiring. You know, those are two names we talked about. So I I mean, they drafted him, they drafted Trey Lance third overall. Um, I think if they can't bring in a surefire stud, they're going to give him every opportunity under the sun to win that job next year. I think they'll certainly bring in, bring in a backup um, and a capable backup in case, you know, a Lance isn't the guy and B maybe he gets hurt and whatnot, obviously with his like mobile kind of loose style, we'll kind of see how that shakes out. But yeah, I think they would either look to to go with Trey Lance or essentially make a splash. But would also love your thoughts on that for sure. Yeah, I'm 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 kind of in the same camp as you um, on this one. Like, I think they do. If you're what John Lynch running the show, um, yep. like you basically call the shots, and and I think you're so damn close with Jimmy G that I think maybe Trey Lance sits a year, maybe two years, just tries to get his feet under him. Uh, obviously it's just such an adjustment. And like, that's, that's, I've talked to about Zach Wilson in that respect, like from coming from such a small school and then to the bright right. light of New York. Like I think the kid has shown the flashes of what, you know, it, it surprised me. I'll say that, that he, you know, has shown such, such positive, you know, mannerisms and, and, and things of that nature, just like his, his body language looks right. Like he just looks the part now, like your Sam friends, another, it's just a, you're, you're riding on a lot of pressure if you're Trey Lance. Like yep. you're, you're, you're coming in, filling in for a guy, yeah, that didn't play great, but they're they're in a position to compete for the Super Bowl, compete for a championship, really. And I think, like, to go back to that it is really, I think that the Niners do go all in on someone else, at least for a year or two. I think they just they want to win that Super Bowl so bad. Obviously, everybody does, but they were, they were right on the cusp of, of getting that done with Jimmy G just a few years back and now they, they they're on the outside looking in once again on, on the big game. So like you said, I, I think they really do push all the, all the chips to the middle of the table and they say, let's go get us uh, a Rogers. Let's go. I wouldn't be surprised if they try and, and, and pick up Brady, even you know, retired, not retired, whatever. Um, I think they, they go all in on, on a couple of these older veteran guys that have been there, done that basically. And, and, and let Trey Lance learn. And cause there, there's been like there, there's two sides of the argument not to not to like draw it out too long but like you know you throw Trevor Lawrence into the fire on a on a horrible team 
in a hard yep. situation. Does that ruin a guy's confidence? It could. I mean, it it very well could because the guy's won his entire life, and then he comes in and wins what, like two games, three games. Uh, <laughs> so it's I, if I'm the Niners, I go I go chips to the middle of the table, and I try and pull. I try and get Rodgers. I try and get someone of that caliber. I don't maybe a Deshaun Watson, but then you're kind of looking long term. So it's some something to, to make a splash. And, and like I said, I I'm not even close to even you know knowing if if Trey Lance is the guy or not. But I just think it's such a pressure filled situation that you could screw the kid up very easily if he doesn't if he doesn't perform or or he, you know chokes in a playoff game at, at this stage of his young career. I, I wouldn't do it to him. The Brutally Honest Sports Podcast wants all of the chaos this offseason. Give it to us. Give us all the chaos. We want to see quarterback move. We want to see Brady hopefully retire, but if not move. Rodgers move. Wilson move. All of the above. So give it to us. Give it to us. Give it to us. It'll be fascinating to watch here, folks, for sure. Um, Super Bowl. Bengals, Rams. Bengals at Rams, even though it's a quote-unquote neutral site. It will be. At SoFi Stadium down there in Los Angeles, second ever, um, obviously, team to, to play a Super Bowl in their home home site. Uh, obviously, last year, the, the Buccaneers did it in uh, wherever the fuck they play, Raymond James Stadium, I think it is, down in Tampa there. Um, yeah, I mean, it's the first ever team to, to host a, both, obviously, the NFC Championship game and, and Super Bowl, which would probably be a nightmare for any Super Bowl organizer, um, obviously having to wait until – this game was done to really get um, any prep underway. But um, first we'll talk about the, any potential advantage a team would have. Um, I think we saw it a little bit last year with just um, that entire squad, obviously being very comfortable with the stadium, being comfortable with, with the area since they fucking live there. Um, I mean, how much of an advantage do you think that um, the Rams have? And, and I mean, I, I would preface this by saying, the, the Bengals, if anyone can come in and steal a game, it's the fucking Bengals. So um, I don't know how, how much that factors into your decision here, but um, it, it would seem at face value that, that there are plenty of benefits to, to hosting a Super Bowl. Yeah, um, exactly that. But, um, you know, you, you kind of saw a few weeks ago when the Rams played the 49ers, like there were more 49ers fans than Rams fans. So <laughs> um, I think this will be a game where, you see every celebrity under the sun at this game. I mean, it's in LA. Like, when is there a Super Bowl in LA? Obviously, a, an LA team as well. So it's um, it's going to be a spectacle. It's going to be a show. It's going to be a, a circus per se. Um, but uh, I, I don't know, man. I've been picking against the I've been picking against the Bengals all year. Watch, I'll I'll, probably, <laughs> I'll pick them this time, and they actually will lose. That'll be that'll be my luck. But um, I don't know, man. I, I'm. I'll let I'll let you pick it first. I, I'm always a little bit of a pansy when it comes to these big big game picks. Uh, I'll, I'll admit I'll be the first one to admit that I'm uneasy about who I who I take here. I don't like being wrong, but you know it happens quite a bit. So um, I'll let I'll, I'll let you take the reins and then I'll I'll give my two cents. Yeah, I think we give our initial picks here. We we save the rationale, breakdown, and storylines and everything under the sun. For next week's show here, Aaron, if you're okay with that, I think we're obviously going to have a week to kind of digest this matchup. The games are still fresh in the back of our minds, and we're just trying to digest, obviously, the matchups that we saw championship weekend. The line right now that I saw is, is Rams minus four, um, which which probably will lean 
you know, skew towards three and a half, three uh, by the time we end up recording this podcast next week, just because everyone's going to love, you know, the Bengals plus four, obviously. So right now I'm going to say, I'm going to say Rams minus four. Um, and I, I too have been in the same camp of obviously betting against the Bengals. I did not think they had a shot against the Titans. I did not think they had a shot against the Chiefs. I was clearly wrong. Um, but, but yeah, I, I'm going to go, Rams here, I, I think everyone's going to be talking about the Bengals offensive line versus that Rams defensive line. And, and whoever wins that matchup, I think ultimately takes this game because it's such a talent disparity um, when you look at both of those two units on paper. So my initial gut check is to go Rams minus four. Yeah, I think I think just for I, I guess I'll, I'll be conservative as well and go and go Rams, even though it's, you know, not very conservative pick, it, it can go either way, but I just, it, it's so hard to, to match up against, like you said, all the, all the Rams, like, especially that, that D line, Aaron Donald, um, you know, Von Miller coming off the edge. It, it's, it's, it's going to be a taunting task. Like, and, and you touched on it very well there. I mean, the Bengals offensive line, I can't remember how many sacks they gave up this past week, but I know they gave up what like nine to the to Titans, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago now. Yep. Uh, so that's going to be a serious, serious problem. Um, I think Burrow still finds a way to have a decent game. I just don't see him absolutely like shitting the bed. But uh, I think you know the Rams pull away. Uh, it just with, I, I really do hope the Bengals win this. I, I do like Stafford a good bit, but um, just the way they're constructed, it reminds me of you know. I would say the Yankees, but more so the Dodgers in modern day. They just pretty much buy everybody or, or find a huh. find a way to, to pull everybody over to the team. And the Bengals are just kind of like, we got who we got. We I remember the Eagles quite quite a few times, like when Malcolm Jenkins were was on this was on the team. It was like we we're all, we all we got, we all we need. It's kind of like the same same thing here with the with the Bengals. Like we we might not have as much talent as you, but we, we believe in ourselves, you know, more than you, than anybody can ever, you know, talk us up or, or talk us down for that matter. So I, I think the Rams pull this out. I, I hope the Bengals win, but if I, if I pick against the Bengals and they, and they beat and they win again, I'll be kind of upset at myself because <laughs> I've been doing it all year long. Um, but yeah, it, it should be a, should be a game where I, there's no Tom Brady. There's no new England, uh, no Dallas, obviously. So, uh, oh I'm yeah, all for it, and uh, yeah, two teams that are just you know pretty electric to watch. In all honesty, oh my god, yeah, that's I mean you you couldn't say it any better. Just an enjoyable matchup um, for Aaron and I. We don't have to root. I've basically been rooting against teams in the Super Bowl for my most of my entire life, <laughs> and Aaron has too, obviously with like the the Patriots being in most of them. And 2017 was great for obviously you, but for me as well, and, and seeing obviously. Brady lose to, to your Eagles, but uh, yeah, I mean, just a, a, a just a, a fandom free game for for the two of us, and it'll be obviously nice to watch two good teams battling out. So we'll we'll talk again next week, and maybe we start the show with our pick just to see if anything has changed, especially with like the line storylines, injuries, um, all that good stuff will obviously come out next week. So we'll get there, um, but but yeah, obviously very much looking forward to storylines and, and diving into everything Super Bowl and. If it's any indication of, of how the Super Bowl is going to go based off the past couple of weeks in, in the playoffs, I think we're in for a great game, and I hope that ultimately happens. Um, transitioning out here, uh, talking about Tom Brady, Aaron, um, 
little, little tickler, little teaser came across the wire on Saturday, I believe. Um, Tom Brady, um, reported by Adam Schefter and, and Jeff Darlington. I love how it's a, a dual, a dual report. It's almost like they got a text at the same time and sent out a tweet at the same time. I don't know, I don't know how two guys get the same scoop, but neither here nor there. Uh, they tweeted out that Tom Brady is retiring. Um, he will no longer be playing the NFL. Thank God. Um, shortly thereafter, um, a bunch of, you know, Brady representatives, people in Brady's camp, even his father came out and said that he is not retiring. Um, he came out on some podcast today, in fact, and said that he's taking things literally day by day, um, which which would lead me to believe that he ultimately will retire this offseason. His offseason is just a matter of when. He's probably out there preparing some form of a documentary episode um, and, and is waiting to release his final goodbye um, to the NFL. But, um, A, Aaron, what was your reaction um, when you first saw this news come across the wire? And, and B, uh, do you think he's actually retired? Yeah, I, I – Pleasantly surprised. Uh, I don't remember where I saw it to be exact. I think I just scrolled through Twitter real quick and um, yeah, came across that. And I, I, you know, obviously I Google it. I I do my due diligence to try and make sure that this is not just some, you know, like when, when somebody will say like this person died and really they didn't for whatever reason. Aaron Aaron checked with his sources on this one folks. Dude, I, I was like, no way is this actually true? Like this can't, this can't possibly be true. Like that's, it's too good a news to be, to be real life. Uh, but uh, yeah, it appears as though he's retired. I, I, Daniel and I talked about this off air. I'm, I'm still on the edge of my seat as far as like, I need to hear it from, from the horse's mouth uh, obviously. And, and, and really like digest it then. But um, I, I'm just so afraid, man. I, it's not, not like a Brett Favre type of situation where like, they're like, Oh my God, is he going to play or not? I just feel like, right before training camp, I just had this awful feeling that he's going to be like, you guys really thought I was done. Like, no, I'm not, <laughs> I'm going to get one more chip and go out on top. Like the fact that they, if they would have won the Super Bowl this year, I would say, you know, there's a very, very, very good chance that he's done, but yeah, um, you know, everybody talks about his, his wife, his kids, everything like that. But I think Tom Brady's one of those guys where, you know, he gets his way no matter what uh, he's a crybaby on the field. He might be a crybaby off the field for all I know, but um yeah I, I i just my gut gut check right now uh on january 31st is that he's gonna come he's gonna play one more and i i god i hope i'm wrong man with everything inside of me i i hope this 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 is real and i hope he has a press conference he'll probably do it after the super bowl would be my expectation but you know maybe before then just to try and steal the spotlight like he tries to do uh as corny as as he is but um we'll see we'll we'll, we'll wait and see on that uh, yeah, I, I think he's. I think he's done. I, I, I was saying this earlier. If you know, if he wasn't done, they would have said, "Oh, I'm coming back for another year." And you know, Bruce Arians came out and said that he, he's not even close to making a decision. And the GM Jason Light came out and said the same thing. I mean, that's what they're going to say. I, I think he he is just pissed at Shepard and Darlington ultimately cucked him for this information release, uh, so to speak. And, I would love to find out who their sources were because, it, I mean, if, if there's ever a guy that, you know, keeps a tight ship and obviously keeps things close to the vest, it's certainly him. And I, I, I guess there are reports that him and Jeff Darlington are, like, close and he's in the, you know, the Brady inner circle, quote-unquote. So um, maybe it's a guy that, that Darlington's close with and 
heard from Brady that, you know, he is in fact retiring. So there is some credence, I guess, to that line of thinking. But again, it, I, I do find it hard to believe that, you know, this information got out without Brady intentionally um, releasing it, which, which does to your point, lead, lead me to believe and allows me to, to think a little, little skeptically, but um, I, like I said, I, I just think the, the overall kind of word from the Brady camp is that at this point, he's not retiring. I, I think, I mean, Peyton Manning um, won that Super Bowl back in 20, 2016 and then waited like a month or two to retire. So I think, I know he didn't win, win and go out on top this year, but winning a Super Bowl last year at age 43, uh, you could argue that he does have a year or two left in the tank. It's probably the right time. I think the thing that we hate seeing great athletes go through is ultimately sucking <laughs> before they retire. We saw it a little bit this year with big Ben actually, but um, I would have loved to, to obviously see Brady go through that just being a lifelong Brady hater and jets fan. Um, I just think that in the spirit of preserving a legacy and, and preserving an image that, that the fans have had of him for the last you know, 20 plus years. Um, it's probably a good move for him to go out now. Um, and you look at, the, you look at the Buccaneers. I don't think they're in a great spot. I don't even, is he, he might even, is he a free agent? He might even be a free agent, but um, I'm sure he could probably work his way to, to really any team. And they're, they're, I mean, just based off his performance alone this past year, you could argue, um, you know, he was top one or two in MVP voting. So um, not a guy that is looking to, to obviously like, retire based off of his his play uh, i just think it's you know he's 44 gonna be 45 it's it's probably just time for him to move on so i i, I hope to god that i pray to god that this news is is actually true but again like you said you never know with with a guy like that you 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 definitely make me feel a little bit better with with your take there i uh, just god man i just I always felt like this guy won't retire until like he will retire on a super bowl win he'll be like all right that's enough like for him to go out like on a on a L, uh, not even in the Super Bowl, I, I just I find it too good to be true in in my heart. Um, but I hope you're right. I hope I hope it all comes comes to fruition here. Um, the research department just got back to me. Brady is under contract through the 2022 season, 2022 2023 season. So, um, yeah, I mean. It could be it could be a situation where he just like doesn't want to play in the Bucks anymore, and I, I guess I, there was some obviously inner turmoil there going on, but um, I guess it would have to be for the Bucks this upcoming season. Um, all right, capping it off here with with some coaches. We'll do coaches around the horn here. Obviously, some some hirings, some firings, that, or some resignations, I should say. And Sean Payton um, in New Orleans. Brian Dable comes over from the Buffalo Bills, signs a deal with the New York Giants to become their next head coach. Josh McDaniels does the same thing down in uh, Las Vegas. Uh, Sean Payton leaves New Orleans, as I mentioned, and the Vikings are looking to bring in John Harbaugh. I'm sorry, Jim Harbaugh from Michigan for an interview this week. Uh, Aaron, a lot happening in the coaching carousel. Um, by this time last year, there were like seven openings and they were all filled um, a year ago today. And it seems like there's like four or five openings that are still out there. So this cycle has been pretty crazy. A lot flying. I think a lot more teams needed GMs this time around, which obviously you hire a GM before the coach and then get the two in lockstep and you're good to go. So that probably took a little bit of extra time to obviously get this cycle kickstarted. But um, what are your thoughts from, I guess, news out of the, coaching carousel that released over the wire in the past couple of days. 
Yeah, definitely, definitely some surprises. I mean, I think obviously you bring up the uh, the the Brian Dobble. I, I don't know why I think I'm saying that wrong. It's just one of those weird <laughs> ones. But uh, you know, I don't think that's a that's a bad move. I mean, the Giants are talk about a franchise that can't that doesn't even know their left and their rights anymore. I, I don't know where you go from here other than up. Hopefully, obviously, uh, they do for for their own good but i i hope they don't for my own good um yeah obviously the the saints i mean we could just discuss i mean some of these jobs are are i mean i don't care if you hire belichick for the saints right now you're you're in you're in absolute turmoil you're you're in such a rough position uh and and that one especially i think that led to you know sean payton saying like you know maybe for now i need to take some years off, take a year off or, or, or completely go to some other, you know, profession, what, whatever it might be. I just, they're, they're projected to be under the cap 74 million. Um, it's with not a stable quarterback in, in, in the building. So it, it's rough. It's, it's rough to say the least. So um, giants right there at the like basically almost breaking even with the cap space. Um, you know, obviously there's a lot of holes. There's a lot of problems. I don't, necessarily think the Vikings job is is awful I I don't I I think they have a lot of talent there I mean say you want about Kirk Cousins but um you know he hasn't played bad um overall I would say in his tenure he's going to be he's going to be in his final year of of the two-year 66 million dollar extension so maybe you you ride it out for this year and then see see going forward um I think I you know it's it's tough man I mean some of these are just like, like the bears are in a real bad position cap space wise. Um, yeah, it's, or I'm, I'm sorry. Uh, actually they're not, that's a blunder on my part. It's really the research department, but uh, <laughs> they, they handed it to me and I read it wrong. So I, I put it on my, myself, but obviously them getting, getting the Ryan polls, a, a, a former player as a general manager. That's an interesting one. I mean, I, I'd like to hear your thoughts on, on just, all the way around the league, what, what, what you're thinking, what, what comes to mind in, in these openings and, and, you know, where, where you feel, you know, some of the, the best positions are and where some of the worst are that are still available and still on the table, I'd say at this point. Yeah. The one, yeah. The, the Vikings, I think coming into this cycle were, were probably the most attractive. Um, like you mentioned, quarterback is, is there, obviously defense is there. They have some great skill position players um, and a guy like Justin Jefferson and, and Adam Thielen. Um, and the offensive line isn't half bad. And just I think that organization in general um, has done a good job of, of being patient. They had Rick Spielman there since like 2016. Mike Zimmer was there for like, you know, seven or eight years. Um, they just hired the, the – um, I don't really know his last name or, or first name, to be honest. The, the guy from the, the Browns to take over as, as GM. He's a young kind of like – cap whiz kid analytics guy um played basketball at uh at princeton um and ended up you know i think he was working as like an eye bank or something in san francisco before joining the nfl so one of the younger like very smart um analytical type gms um so now that they have him in the in the door i think they'll probably look to move pretty quickly on, on obviously a head coaching hire so Jim Harbaugh is, is certainly interesting. Um, I think that, uh, you know, I don't know how he would mesh with, with obviously a guy like Kirk Cousins, you know, he's, he's obviously a former quarterback himself and is, you know, clashed with, with quarterbacks pretty, 
infamously, I would, I would say, obviously, you know, talking about Alex Smith and the Colin Kaepernick situation back in San Fran. Um, but again, if he, if he was going to take a job, I think to me, it would, it would probably be the Vikings and the Dolphins to me is, an, is another one. Um, mm-hmm. Stephen Ross actually went to Michigan. He's their owner. Um, he had, has said publicly he, he will not take Jim Harbaugh from Michigan. So uh, he might be shooting himself in, in the foot there, um, to be honest with you, because I'd rather probably take Jim Harbaugh than have, uh, I mean, I don't know, the 10th best candidate out there on the coaching cycle. Um, I mean, I, it's surprising they haven't hired anybody yet because they, they kept their GM. So they essentially got a head start on all these teams, like besides the Jaguars and the Jaguars are just a dumpster fire as well. So I, I don't know if they're holding on hope for some like miracle candidate or someone like Eric Bieniemy, you know, or someone who's still in, in the playoffs. But um, I, I look at, I look at the dolphins and the Jaguars. I just, I just scratch my head and ask what they're doing because it, I mean, the, the, a team like the giants that hired their GM legitimately two days later, they hired head coach. So, I mean, I, I understand that they obviously both came from the bills and, you know, had a, had a, very close working relationship the past few years, but I mean, you've had, you know, three weeks at this point since your season ended um, to hire a guy. And it's just the fact that you haven't yet is, is kind of crazy, but um, that's, that's kind of where I got, I mean, McDaniel is out of the AFC East. It's great for me. I, I, this guy is just a nightmare to deal with. And it has been since he came back to the Patriots after the whole Denver fiasco, um, and, and Brian Flores being out there to me is, is still somewhat of a head scratcher, but um, I, I would not be surprised if he ultimately ends up in, um, in, in Houston, Texas, in Houston, I should say, um, with the former um, Patriot coworker and Nick Casario there as the GM. So that's where I kind of go with this, with this coaching cycle so far. Yeah, uh, especially the, the Dolphins, I'd say, is, is a pretty decent job with the roster they have right now. Um, yeah, that that one definitely stands out. The Vikings, I, I will see with the whole the Josh McDaniels thing interests me. I think the Raiders are like, of all like one of the the teams in the league. Like they just find a way not to get it done all the time. And then you you hire a guy that in Denver didn't get it done for whatever reason. So that that's interesting to me. I don't know if I would have made that move. Uh, obviously, he's proven his worth as a as a coordinator, but as a uh, as a head coach, it's still a question mark. It's still a head scratcher. I say. Uh, in this current situation, and, and and we'll see how going forward. I mean, you got to deal with the Chiefs going forward every year, twice a year. So yeah, um, not easy. Obviously, there's no easy job in in the NFL. But um, yeah, I, I think if you're the Vikings, I you if you get Jim Harbaugh, that might be a, a franchise changing move uh, just based on his his track record before. But you know, we'll see. It's a totally different situation, different division, obviously than what he's coached in before, but that that's really interesting. And for him to leave Michigan, that'll be, you know, interesting as well. If, if that were to come, come, come to terms uh, there in Minnesota. So I'm definitely interested with that. If, if, if Jim comes back into the NFL, that'll, that'll really, I think, open things up as far as like, you know, I wouldn't count not me. I'm not saying the Vikings will win the Super Bowl, but um, you know, I think they'll, it'll be a fast improvement over like a Mike Zimmer um, and that type of thing. So Jim Harbaugh is going to the Vikings. Uh, James Franklin is then going to Michigan, University of Michigan, <laughs> to coach the Wolverines. And Aaron will be forever a lucky human, uh, a lucky and very satisfied human being. Uh, I'd love it, man. Uh, I'll take anybody off the Michigan uh, coaching staff to be our next coach, and I, I guess <laughs> we do far better. 
yeah, I, I, like, I mean, me, me too. I, I'd, lo- I'd love to see him back in the NFL. I mean, he, he wanted to coach that Michigan team. Obviously, he went there, played quarterback there, and then he said in the past, he, he's when people ask him if he is coming back, he's like, yeah, the, the NFL is not going anywhere and, and basically knows it. And any given season, there's a job out there waiting for him. I, I was on record last year saying um, the Jets should have contacted him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he had obviously had a great year in Michigan, and, and I don't really see where he goes up from there, obviously, with the SEC and a stranglehold on the college football playoff. So if there was ever a time to jump, I think it would it would be now while his stock is, is at its highest. But um, we'll definitely keep an eye on and Maybe we touch on the coaching cycle again next week, I would assume. A week or a week or so from today, there will be some more hirings, and I, I guess hopefully all these hirings will be buttoned up, so we kind of have like a full slate of all the nine o- openings, and you know, for both GM and coaches, and, and kind of who filled those spots. So definitely more to come there, um, and and maybe we maybe we do a little fun power ranking of, of who we think is going to be successful or not, and you know, just have something to reference. Obviously, uh, as these as these tandems ultimately you know f- succeed or fail, but. Aaron, um, why, don't you, uh, why don't you take us home? Yeah, obviously uh, we'll come back with you guys with, with more Super Bowl coverage as, as that approaches, you know, a couple of weeks out now. But, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was an exciting weekend of football. Um, always appreciate the listeners and, and appreciate, obviously, the, the podcast that we've been, uh, you know, featured on or, or have had, you know, collaborating with us, I, I, you know, the 1420 guys and uh, obviously the level of the playing field. Uh, check both of those out. Um, Twitter, you know, you can find all the all the platforms they're on um, and you can also find the platforms we're on. If you enjoy our show, hopefully if you listen to this long, I, I hope you did and you just didn't torture yourself. But um, yeah, uh, other than that, uh, always thankful for the listeners and, you know, it should be should be even more fun going forward uh, as other sports come come into the picture. And, and obviously, unfortunately, the NFL goes out. But um, yeah, that does it for, for tonight's show. Take us home.